There we go. Let's go. Let's go. Yo, so uh private party is back uh from injury. Well, Mark Quinn is at least. You know, Isaiah Cassidy been holding it down for him. So, you know, I did the only thing right. Since the niggas is up, we had to throw we had to throw it up for the one time. Uh as you might I be able to tell. Leon <laughs> was jamming out. Uh so this is a wonderful collaboration between the Aim High podcast and the Shogun. Oh, whoops. Woo! This is a wonderful collaboration between the Dre Lax podcast and Shogun Soccer Sit Down. I'm tripping. I'm bugging. Dude, got too many podcasts, bro. <laughs> got too many podcasts out here like a Jamaican. Yo, just in case anybody ain't familiar with any of these podcasts for any reason. I mean, if you're not familiar with these podcasts, you guys clearly are not supporting the network enough. You need to do better. Damn, that's but let everybody know who you, who you are. You're what's goody, 800 Shogun, you know what I'm saying? Uh, one of the co-founders of CDB Multimedia um also the host of the shogun soccer sit down uh among other podcasts uh sucio boys the cdb podcast um shit man uh i think there's a music podcast coming soon like i'm still catching up to myself and like lagging in uh in through i don't the holidays cook me and we are only a weekend to uh, twenty twenty four, and already it's just been absolute pandemonium and mayhem going on. But you know, we here. You're, <laughs> we up out here. Uh, yo. So, uh, I'ma just roll through a couple little cool lax facts and things. Uh, I'ma just cover the uh NCAA uh men's top twenty as posted by USA Lacrosse Magazine. Mm-hmm. Um. Obviously, it's way too damn early in the season before the season. Season eight, spring ain't even here, but they got these rankings out. Um, and I can understand some of the justifications because a lot of the teams in the top 10 were in the playoffs last year. So I get it. Um, and these programs just got uh, some studs coming to their, um, pro, their schools. So Notre Dame, you know, they were the champions last year. Duke was in the final, the championship game against them. Um, Virginia just got possibly one of the best players, the best incoming freshman, uh, McCabe Millen. Um, his dad, Mark Millen, is a legend uh, in the lacrosse world. Um, Penn State, Maryland, Hopkins, Cornell, Army, Syracuse, and Yale finish up that top 10 respectively. Um, and they all were playoff teams, so it makes sense. Uh, Denver, Georgetown, Michigan, Princeton, and Rutgers as the next ones in the 15 michigan is on the rise uh last year i don't even think they made the top 20 but Man, with their and keep trying to tell you about u of m <laughs> they're perform they're, they look they got studs they they got studs it'll be interesting to see how they do without um nick rowlett but i think they i think their coach uh they the, they did a really good job with that defense shoring that up um and then the final the top 20 is just delaware uh, Penn, Boston uh, University, North Carolina, and Richmond. Um, and that's the men's. And then also considered but didn't make the top 20 was Loyola, Marquette, and Utah. Um, 
mark my words, but uh, Utah will be there if not next year, but the year after. Utah and Michigan are some schools that are on the rise in terms of uh, all their programs. You know, uh, Michigan has always been a football, basketball school. Uh, I don't think they've been like deep, deep in the basketball world since the, uh, the Fab Five, but you know, they've always been known as the football school. That's their primary uh, draw when it comes to the money that their athletics makes. But um, they are on the rise in not just their other sport, not just football, but their other sports as well. And it's been uh, pretty cool to see. Same can be said with Utah as well. And uh, let's see real quick. I'm going to just go through the women's one as well. Um, so Northwestern won the championship last year. And you got Boston College, UNC, so University of North Carolina, Denver. Always nice to see the Colorado girls up in there. Syracuse and Maryland, Notre Dame, JMU, James Madison, Loyola, and Stony Brook finish up that top ten. So you know that's it's uh, it's pretty nice seeing a lot of these uh, I'd say quote unquote lesser known schools uh, be able to round and crack that out. Pause. Uh, but anyway, uh, the remaining top 20 is, uh, uh, Hopkins, Florida, Army, Penn State, Penn, USC, Michigan, see Michigan yet again, uh, UMass, Princeton, and Virginia. And then also considered was Clemson, Duke, Navy, and UConn. So, uh, pretty cool things are happening in the lacrosse sphere. Uh, I'll definitely, uh, be giving y'all kind of a recap of, um, what the, uh, mammoth games that I was there for for uh, week five. No, not week five. Week four was like um, live and in person because that one was an exciting one. Um, and any of y'all that follow the Drelax podcast on Twitter, which you should if you aren't already, uh, y'all will have saw my recap um, small little vlog that I uh, tweeted out. You know, about me uh, being an absolute uh, menace to my wife at the game. But, you know, here we are. Uh, Aaron, you got anything? Uh, I just know that Michigan men and women are on that. You know what I'm saying? So that's all That's all I heard. Uh, <laughs> that's all I heard, man. In the, and the that run, was the top man. ten. Yeah, listen. Listen, bruv. Michigan as a whole collectively – um, I think there's probably one of the best, like overall, like sporting programs, um, mm-hmm. both men and women. Um, I, I've watched them uh, a few times at uh, collegiate uh, men's soccer um, level. Uh, some of the even had a chance to do some camps up in Michigan, too. So, um, you know, when I was in school and. I knew that a lot of their programs where they had like very dynamic um, in, in like top athletes that were coming mm-hmm. out of like different programs. I mean, if you look at like Michigan overall, I mean, we can talk about football, which, you know, there's a plethora of guys that have come out of um, the program, Michigan football program that have gone on to play in the NFL, um, pro bowlers, uh, Hall of Famers, different things like that. You also look at like Michael Phelps. Um, was a swimmer at one point in time at the University of Michigan. Um, obviously went on to be one of the most decorated uh, Olympic you know, athletes. Tom Brady. Uh, Tom Brady. 
uh charles woodson so like when you're talking football you have like a, a, a myriad of players to choose from and then <laughs> you gotta respect um, the history obviously you know what i'm saying and then you go into like other programs that maybe um you know men's basketball you've got the fab five and it, mm-hmm. how transcendent they were um in college sports uh and and then you go into like as we're talking now we're talking about lacrosse and the growth and development a lot of that paves the way and and part of the i think the reason why we were wanting to have this conversation is just the um the maybe the the connection between like the the collegiate side of mm-hmm. sport for both like lacrosse and soccer so they have a good um, they have a good pipeline i'd say like yeah in absolutely. terms of in terms of i'd say like long-term success for their athletes at the pro level i i would say that most if i had to guess i mean i don't i'm sure jermaine can fact check just later but uh, if i had oh to yeah guess, i'm sure he will if i had to guess the schools that probably have produced the most successful long-term pros in if you're counting all sports i'd say it's probably michigan alabama ohio state um Texas, yeah, and, Texas too, and I don't know what I'd put as a fifth school, but I'm sure like a fifth school is probably one of them ACC schools with a lot of longevity or one of those like lesser known schools. Yeah, see, and that's the thing too is like you you really have to like deep dive into um, the development. I, I I was having a conversation with a friend of mine. He also um, hosts a sports podcast here in. Uh, um, Northern Kentucky, Cincinnati. And, um, you know, we were having the conversation about, uh, like just college teams. Cause we were watching, mm-hmm. I think we were, we were watching the, um, uh, the, the games yesterday in, in, uh, NFL, like, you know, going into the last, uh, yeah. last day of the season. And, uh, as we were having this conversation, we were bouncing all around, um, and then we just started talking about like collegiate programs. And um, that's where we got into the conversation about um, at the pro level uh, in regards to football, like what does that development, that pathway look like? You know, how many guys are making it to the pro level, but not only just making it to the pro level, but having like long lasting careers in and around the sport. So, um you know, when you when you start to talk about like Ohio State quarterbacks in their development, uh, when it goes to the pro level, they haven't been as successful. But here you go and you've got CJ Stroud, um, you know, as a rookie quarterback, also with a rookie head coach. Um, and it's the perfect storm uh for that organization. So um, you know, and, and we'll deep dive into the conversation yeah, yeah. connection of like sport, but Overall, I just think that, you know, being able to hear the University of Michigan, um, not only on the side of the men's programs, right, uh, with soccer and lacrosse, um, but then also looking and seeing like the women's programs are doing well. So um, that's the one thing I know in regards to like all of our conversations that we've had about the development and the growth of lacrosse. what does that actually look like going into the pro level? Because of course there's, there's always going to be more players at the collegiate level. You know, you've got division one, division two, division three. Um, then you've got NAIA, uh, which is it's its own little weird entity 
Um, and then on top of that, you start looking at like, and you've club. got the MCLA, which is the club level for uh, each yeah. sport has their own MC. So like, you know, uh, for anyone that doesn't know, uh, well, they probably have a WCLA too, but for anyone that isn't aware, uh, the MCLA stands for men's, Col uh, men's club lacrosse association. So the schools that don't have a recognized program, they have club teams and I'm sure, there is a women's club lacrosse association, just like I'm sure there's a men's club, whatever, um, first per sport. So soccer would be MCSA or something to that effect, I'm sure. Yeah. And see, that's the thing, too. Like when, when you go into club sports, then you start to um, you start to talk about like basically what type of funding do they have? So, you know, those are people that maybe they still wanted to be involved with the sport in some way, shape or form. Obviously their, their academic, uh, academics, um, you know, hold more weight, more precedent. So, um, their focus is in their degree. Um, but I've known at not only as like, so I was, I was fortunate enough to coach, um, at Xavier university, uh, the men's, mm -hmm. uh, club soccer team there. So, um, just to be able to understand that experience uh, overall, you know, coming from like the youth level Academy level um, and then, you know, stepping into the role as a, a club coach at a, a division one university. So then it's just trying to figure out and find out like, what are all these things that we're seeing with, uh, you know, like, how much funding goes into it? How do how do these players actually, you know, make their way to from whatever may have you? Um, there were times, shit, man. Like even myself, I, uh, you know, was just trying to figure out ways while I'm working a full time job, and then I've got to come and uh, you know give some time. These kids are doing uh, full time hours as um, you know. Um, and for anyone that doesn't know how, like, most – again, I can't say all because I obviously haven't researched every single program. But from what I was informed of from coaches that I've coached with who were at schools that didn't have a recognized team, so they had to play on the club team for their school, like at BYU, um, they told me about how you have to pay to be on these teams. You like, do. it's like a fee. And so – the, when you know when folks are saying charge to the game or for the love of the game, uh, me being a fiscally responsible person, or at least trying my best to be, um, if I'm having to pay to be on something and it's like upwards of two grand, you're tripping. If I've if I've done it playing for free, why am I about to play it? But then I thought about it. You got to really love the game, and you've got to really be willing to bet on yourself that you can do so well at the club level that schools. Or even if you're close to your end of your college days, schools or even teams could just be looking at you and be like, you know what? That guy's killed it at this level. I wonder how he'll do at our level. Like a lot of those dudes are dudes that are pro hopefuls or those are just guys that just love the game. We just got a new, a new coach to our team. He told me how he has been involved at multiple levels, like not just coaching but playing he's been involved in the sport of lacrosse he told me this was going to be his 45th year and i was like what i just, like you know 
the love you have to have for something to commit 45 years to it. I was just really impressed by that. Uh, I'm really excited to get to coach with him this year. Uh, he uh, seems like a really good dude. But, yeah, that yeah. was really commendable. Yeah, there's a lot of coaches that, you know, and it, and it sucks too, man, because there's such a weird disconnect with, like, the American sporting system. And, um, you know, we can break this down a little bit mm-hmm. uh, in, in finer detail. Um, and then I'll get into some soccer stuff in regards to, like, yeah. what – what the goings on because there's a lot of stuff that happened. So um for those of you that aren't familiar with you know the the sporting setup predominantly what takes place uh during the summer spring months are um you know right now we're we're getting into the thick of basketball um and we're in the middle of the season you know they already did something a little bit different, um, which if you guys get a chance, go listen to Sushio Sports because they talked a lot about um, this in detail. But, you know, they did the midseason tournament and um, they're kind of taking a bit of a page out of uh, soccer's book or I'd say like Europe. Well, I'd say soccer's book because even in the U.S., they they have uh, multiple trophies that can be won. So, um, you know, they had the midseason tournament. Um, and then now that created a buzz, some hype, and they're starting to get close. And I don't even think they've hit like their all star break yet. So, uh, NBA falls into like the late part of summer going into fall, uh, or maybe fall going into winter. And then there's a turnover probably at the beginning of the year. Um, we're at the tail end of, uh, you know, we're, we just finished a regular season in the NFL. Um, so now we're getting into the postseason and wild card games start next week. And then you've got all the other tiers after that lead you into the Super Bowl. Um, so NBA and the NFL are your two most dominant sports in regards to the cycle of what happens right now. When it comes to the collegiate level, um, soccer, I'm trying to think what all your uh, um, fall sports are, but you've got like soccer think you've got track as well you've got uh football too um and then that's where you rotate over into like the winter um so the second half of like the collegiate year that's when you start to see like basketball volleyball things like that so well and now oh and now that and now you've got um, spring opportunities in the world of American football because the USFL and the XFL just completed their merger and while the NFL's in their off season, they uh, usually are running their season. Right. So they're that's that's a rotate over. So it, it's um it's one of those things that uh there's 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 so we need much that for more sports. By the way, there, we need that. It, it, it does need, need to happen. Kind of shit because if I mean, like you've heard the stories, like like for example, the Brown one of the, one of the quarterbacks he played like two games for the Browns before he got hurt. P.J. Walker. He was in the XFL or the USFL, whatever one it was, but he was killing it, killing it so much that teams gave him a like temporary like contract, and then he earned himself, um, I think, like a full, a more like uh, um, commendable contract. Um, but like opportunities like that only happen because teams that were in need of quarterback play had so much more opportunities to see him thrive, and I think the I guess there needs to be like, you know, and you'll agree with this, I'm sure. But the MLS 
needs a way to kind of up its competition because by comparison with the uh, soccer play you get in Europe, uh, right. to name it the most, like the MLS compared to uh, the EuroLeague, the MLS is dog shit. <laughs> no, I would say that MLS uh, technically well, – I say MLS... dog shit from like how players that play in Europe have spoken in like uh, regards to it. Well, a lot Referring of times – Referring back to the Beckham documentary. <laughs> A lot of times it's uh well there's there's been a lot of development right because mm-hmm. I think in like uh, late nineties early two thousands is when I'd say because um, originally I I started I used to follow the Columbus Crew because that was like the closest team that we could go mm-hmm. see watch um, play and they would also do um, you know exhibition games where these are like professional like professional soccer players bro. They're playing at like Centerville High School, which um, for folks that are in and around Ohio, uh, Centerville High School is a really big um, high school in regards to sports because they uh, not only have a very good um, soccer program, I think they have like four different teams at the high school level. So you've got, you know, a freshman, you've got JVA, JVB, and then you've got varsity um, but they also um, have a really good football program as well. Uh, AJ Hawk, Mike Nugent, both went to um, that. Both played at Ohio State, but both went to Centerville. Um, and there's been a bit of a pipeline there. I think there's a, another dude that played for the Jets or something, and he was a center for Centerville. So, um, you know, like I would go to the high school and watch them play soccer. You know. Uh, like at the high school soccer stadium and it was a big enough stadium that you know you get a couple thousand people there but it was just like it it was like it i couldn't wrap my head around the fact that they were like this close so that was a team that i followed but you know as uh the mls grew the expansion grew um they're playing in stadiums that are specific soccer specific stadiums the model uh of the mls has gotten better as well um and, you know, there was a bit of disparity with like a professional league because you had USL, which had two divisions. So you had USL one and USL two. I think they based that upon, you know, like maybe some stadium size or something like that. But pretty much it was just like whoever had the ownership of the team just put as much as they could into it. And that um, predicated what what level of USL they played in. So and um, so with that being said, the MLS at the time that Beckham came, yes, it wasn't uh, much quality. And mm-hmm. also, too, um, you know, a lot of those guys were making like they weren't making a lot of money. So, you know, I have a good friend of mine, um, Chris Rolf, who I played club soccer with, played for the Chicago Fire, played at, uh, you know, University of Dayton. And then got drafted by the Chicago Fire. Now, he was on a bigger contract because he was a striker. And, you know, my man was scoring goals, doing all this and that. And he was a really quality player. But there were guys that played on his uh, on the same team as him. And they had to go get a part-time job while they were a professional athlete playing for the Chicago Fire. And that's, that could be said, like, across the board. You know, and then when you have a guy like David Beckham, who signs for a wild contract of what he did, you know, for $200 million. And then he gets, you know, ownership of a a new expansion MLS franchise, but he can buy the team 
um, at a 20 million like locked percentage. So it would only cost him 20 million. That was the reason why they were able to get him and get that profile to come over. Then they had other players like Henri. Um, you've got uh, Robbie Keane uh, or Roy Keane. Yeah, Robbie Keane, excuse me. Um, so you, Which, you had if you a, guys haven't seen our recap episode um, about that. Y'all need to go check out um, Shogun Soccer Sit Down where we recap that the documentary. Um, yeah, for sure. Go check that out. So long story less long, the MLS, you're right at at the time of the Beckham documentary, when it actually was going on, the quality was still very low. Like, you know, there was big disparity. But again, that just comes from, you know, what you're able to acquire and attract, you know. So if you've got a designated player rule, which they actually brought into um, when Beckham came to the U.S. and they brought that into play, it's still like had they had to work the kinks out. Right. And MLS operates under a salary cap. Whereas any other European or, or um, uh, South American team that doesn't that doesn't qualify for them. There's no salary cap. So however much money you can put into it, you can invest in. Uh, we were as we were in the group chat having the conversation, and Jermaine was trying to figure out what's going on with the winter transfer window. So right now, since we're into the new year, there's two transfer windows that happen. So there's the the summer transfer window, which I think it starts in July, goes until uh, first day of September. And then you've got the winter transfer window, which is a month. So it's January 1st to February 1st. So that is the deadline. Now, what most people don't know is that U.S. soccer does not follow the same traditional like it doesn't follow the FIFA calendar. And the reason why, what I was trying to get to earlier um, in a long way, is that the NBA and the NFL hold precedent over any other American sport. So for us to actually follow the FIFA calendar, soccer would be played right now. Like they would be in the middle of soccer season right now. But weather doesn't really, you know, allow for you to do that. Obviously, nobody's going to be playing, um, you know, in in uh, winter conditions because that's not going to make for good quality and it's not going to make for a good game. Um, so, yeah, that's that's the reason why it, it's taken us a little bit longer. And also to the fact that we have this weird thing called the NCAA that sits in between how their sporting system is set up which is weird in itself like yeah yeah it's 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 uh and, you know i know sloan has a wild way of saying things but he wasn't incorrect when he said in a way the ncaa is set up like on some modern day slavery shit you know again he has his own way of, of putting it but that's basically what he is same shit i and, say and he's he's not wrong because um what what other entity besides how all major sports um, associations are set up in its essence is, um, you know, it's, it's, it's going back to my, my uh, gripe when fans online get mad at a player for leaving their team. And they talk about like, 
they bring up, well, what about loyalty? Or he should have stayed loyal. Or like when a player re-signs with their favorite team, they're like, he's showing some hometown loyalty or he's he's staying loyal to the team. And I'm like, y'all don't understand. These it's teams are like your nine to five jobs. If you go outside, God forbid, and you get hit by a bus, guess what? Your your job is putting they up gotta, help wanted. They got to fill teams, that spot, bro. Well, these teams give give a shit about these players until they until they no longer serve a purpose. Which you know, because like for example, the the number of years and injured bodies that Peyton Manning gave the Colts. And towards the end of his career, after his next surgery, they cut him and drafted Andrew Luck. No, no strings about it. And then look what he they gave did. Him to a Super Bowl. He gave him a Super Bowl, and they but, said, "Bye." You know what I'm Andrew saying? But look, look what happened playoffs. to Andrew Luck. And then everybody was like, "Why are you retiring?" He's like, "Bro, my body cannot maintain all this he, shit just because like I'm making a bunch of money." Five games and said, "Behind this O line, I'm gonna get hurt again." No. I'm done. And folks right. were, hey, listen, ever since the Colts gave that Andrew Luck contract, players, when they get that big old fat contract, they always shit the bed. It's a it's a funny study that I'm sure um, Susio Sports will cover at some point. But it's very interesting because it happened with Vaughn Miller when he got that fat-ass contract from Denver. He was asked for the next six games. <laughs> it's, a, it's, just, it's, it's a whole thing. I don't know if it happens in soccer. Yeah, I mean, I think, see, how many, so, how many times is it where you, they get these fat ass contracts? So here's the weird thing about it, right? So we'll we'll try to live in duality. So there's the American side, right, mm-hmm. of like a big contract, and then there's the rest of the world side. So the American side is basically you have a salary cap um, that is predicated you know, to obviously cover the entire roster more often than not on your first team or the professional, the pro level. Um, that is about 23 to th- 23 players, right? What's you can the have general a full- salary cap in the MLS? The, like what's like the general number? Kind of like how the NFL and the NBA a- have their. Uh, let's see. But more often than it, it used to not be as high. See, and that's a weird thing. Um, but it used to not be as high. So let me check this real quick. Uh, let's see. Which, uh, for any of y'all wondering, uh, to my knowledge, the PLL does not have a salary cap because um, the players, um, they I wouldn't say they are able to pay their players um, a high enough amount right now to where, you know, their players yeah, are um, – under a salary cap. All right, so here we go. Um yeah. looking at uh what is this marker.com. So this is pretty pretty well known like soccer publication. Mm-hmm. Um but for the 2023 M- uh season the MLS teams have a base salary cap of 5.2 uh million dollars, right? A little bit over 5.2 um and then the minimum minimum salary cap uh for a rostered player uh salary cap hit for a rostered player was 651,000 so let me try to see if i can get a little bit more detail um yeah 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 
Got it. Got it. Got it. Uh, so in order for teams to bring a high pro, uh, profile talent to uh, the league, MLS set up the designated player rule in 2007, which facilitated David Beckham signing to the LA Galaxy. Uh, per the MLS, the rule allows for clubs to acquire up to three players whose total compensation in acquisition costs exceed the minimum salary budget charge. Um, clubs can pay uh, higher wages or a transfer fee outside their salary cap for a single player as long as the player is brought in as a designated player. Again, you only have three of those spots that you can fill. So sometimes the MLS bends the rules, right? So if you look, for example, um, you've got uh, Leo Messi who just came to the MLS. So he has a similar deal um, that it's something a little bit different, but it, it's it's still predicated on like the David Beckham deal. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas like all 32 teams agreed to pay to bring him to uh, the MLS. Um, and then uh, he also Which was I being paid. Hilarious. Yeah. I'm like, right? you're, you're literally paying for your, your competition to get better. It, that's but true. Your competition getting a athlete of that caliber means folks are pouring money into the league, which means by proxy, there's a potential for you, the league to expand and grow. Oh, yes. Yeah. So makes you, look you at, more revenue. If you look at TV deals, so for instance, the MLS uh, this year, uh, Apple TV, right? So Apple uh, was also a part of that Apple messy acquisition. Um, they were also a part of that messy acquisition. So um, they had the exclusive rights to stream all and, and play all um, MLS games uh, which I know that some people had a gripe with that because, you know, depending upon if you still watch like local news, um, mm-hmm. like if you still watch local, local TV, then uh, you've also got, um, you know, you have the opportunity that you could watch it on like a local station. So um, a lot of th- some of those games get blacked out. But if you have Apple TV, then it, you can watch well, all of the I mean, league it's games. better. It's better than like the bullshit that I think the NFL's got going on where you've got some games that are exclusively on Prime, some games exclusively on Peacock, some games exclusively on um cable and then and so on and so on. They uh but you know, money talks. I don't think anyone's gonna be able to afford to exclusively host the uh NFL games like they've been able to do with the MLS. I don't think right. there's any well, company there's that's just- gonna be able to afford that. There's just too much money with like the NFL, right? So with that being said, like, you know, you have Apple who who said, Hey, we're gonna go and throw the league money. Um, and then not only that, but we'll also help bring Leo Messi, you know, just after winning uh the World Cup. Oh, I cross them a bank, bank. <laughs> um, so you're you're not only are you getting uh you know, paid by all the teams, all all the teams in the MLS. Uh, you're also getting paid by Apple, um, who's got the streaming rights. So you're getting part of the streaming money from that for Messi. And then on top of that, you're also getting like jersey percentage, right? Of course. So what's the what's the comparison between what they paid to bring 
Messi over and Beckham? Like, what's the what's the price difference? There's 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 a way bigger difference because of the inflation. The like overall, I would say that it's it's a multi billion dollar acquisition of David Beckham because again, okay. you have to think about how what he got to come over. He got two hundred some million um in like an actual like signing in all this like costs uh on top of that so i think they gave him 200 million on top so of that if you they take also... out if you do that whole thing where you know when they're comparing deals from 10 years back to now and they adjust for inflation it, and stuff, I, i'd have to take I'd out have, inflation what i'd you... have to look into it it's okay. but beckham's nowhere close to the messy deal because beckham wasn't getting like that he wasn't getting the the other parts right he wasn't getting all of the other teams to pay for him to come over he wasn't getting you know uh deals directly from like the broadcaster so to give you an example and like understand um, this everyone listening that is the difference with the passage of time as well because if teams are if more teams and even companies are shelling out money to bring messi over and this is like not like like what they gave up to get Beckham over here doesn't even compare. Money talks. So so like the the messy one is like he's getting money from the teams, all all of the teams in MLS. He's getting money from uh, oh goodness, he's getting money from all the teams in MLS. He's getting money from Apple. He's getting money from Jersey sales. Now, if you look too, so there's in totality, there's three things that you could probably, well, four technically when it comes to MLS. So there's four competitions. You have the regular season. So whoever has the best regular season, mm -hmm. that is called the supporter shield. So FC Cincinnati, shout out to y'all. Um, <laughs> FC Cincinnati, uh, they won the supporter shield because they had the best overall record in all of the MLS. On top of that, you also have like a league cup now, um, which is like a new thing that the MLS did this year. But Inter Miami end up winning that. Uh, you also have the Lamar Hunt Open Cup. Um, uh, former, uh, I think he was the former owner of the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, he was also a big proponent of growth development of soccer in the U.S. Um, so they named that cup after him. Um, and then on top of that, you've got the MLS, you know, uh, postseason uh, tournament. So the MLS Cup, um, which uh, unfortunately uh, Columbus Crew end up winning. But, um, you know, I've got some ties to the Columbus Crew. Uh, it was just a bittersweet thing to um, see FC Cincinnati lose in the semi Eastern Conference finals. But it was a lot of bullshit that happened with that whole Matt, Matt Miaska thing. So I don't, mm. um, and then you have like this intercontinental, uh, competition, which is the, um, CONCACAF, which is the regional governing body. Uh, so it's central America, um, North America and the Caribbean, um, that all are inside of CONCACAF. Right. Um, so there's that cup. So that's like a, a cup that involves not only MLS teams, but it also involves um, uh, teams from Mexico, teams from 
uh, the you know all of the Caribbean. So um, that that competition is like a knockout. Uh, it's similar to like the UEFA Champions and you League. Said that's but, taking place soon, right? Um, they're getting ready to start that soon. So I know that FC Cincinnati is participating. I think um, more often than not, it's like if you either won your regular season, you had to have won something for you to participate in it. So I'm almost positive Inter Miami is going to be in it because why not Messi? Um, so they've made a lot of like even with that, I think the Messi deal it supersedes David Beckham's because of the impact that Messi has on like the global game. So with Beckham, Beckham was a very high profile uh, player, but part of that was because of his um, commercial stuff, right? So him coming to the U S brought like a lot of eyes and appeal and things like that. Whereas like Messi's is not just a commercial, like Ronaldo would be closer to Beckham in regards to like that stardom. But Ronaldo's just also like, don't get me wrong. Beckham could play, bro. He could ball. But like he wasn't like a transcendent like player. He he did a lot of things really well. And, you know, again, if you have not uh, watched the David Beckham documentary, by all means, you need to go and watch that on Netflix. It's really good. It's only I think it's only like four episodes, but nonetheless, great, great watch. Um, but like Ronaldo is just as commercially, you know, appealing as was Beckham. But Ronaldo has that extra, you know, like game changer ability where it's like a steady concert. He can score goals. You know what I'm saying? He can bring you all the all the flash glitter, all that stuff. Whereas Messi is just a fucking alien like bar none. He's just there will never be so, another one like him. No, not at all. Um, there's a lot of people that are trying, which is great. And it's, and it's a good thing to see, but, um, I think the impact of Messi coming to the MLS is going to change the stigmatism. Like if you look already, um, two of his teammates that he played with at FC Barcelona are playing with him now already. Um, uh, that they're Neymar's playing with him already. His best to catch up to him, but he's just not going to no, do it. Yo, Neymar is just he. He just had, didn't. He didn't do a great job of taking care of his body. Obviously, he's playing in Saudi Arabia, um, and they they've helped grow that league. Like Ronaldo's playing over in the Saudi league. There's a bunch of money that they've really been able to challenge, mm-hmm. um, and and get good players. When most people just thought that was a laughable league. And it's like, yo, well, so, that oil money can go a long way. And like uh, some of the stuff that they are willing to offer. So, for instance, Kareem Benzema gets mm-hmm. $200 million. Jesus. And I, I think he got to pick the team of his choice that he wanted to join. Jesus. Neymar, um, they gave him $200 million, And then he got to use like part of it was he had a house. He had a, you know, he gets a mansion taken care of. He's got like, uh, way, you know, like. Um, service staff that gets his supporters back and call. And then on top of that, they threw in like he gets to use a private jet whenever he wants. Because Neymar likes to go to Brazil yep. for carnival. I wish I had that life. <laughs> and it, it's stupid. It's stupid, bro. Like, Wait, they question offer for you. 
um how, hang on before is, let me uh, let me yeah, let me finish this off real quick yeah, so yeah, but, then they also offered killing mbappe one billion dollars and messi so that lets you know like how much money is in global football that's crazy i was that was about that answered my question i was about to ask like how much money they offered um but like that's that's crazy that they were able to offer that as well. I was about to ask, um, because Messi's what, like thirty some, late thirty. Messi is what am I? So uh, Ronaldo is thirty eight. Messi, I think, is thirty six. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So he's got like, what, like four, maybe five years. I, uh, I would that. say that. I would say that we probably saw the last Messi at maybe a World Cup. Um, I would almost definitively say that we saw I don't know, man, because like you have to think, dude, 2026, which is two years away. Um the World Cup is being played in the US. It's also be being co-hosted. It's it's co-hosted by um uh, Canada and Mexico, but all of the knockout stage games will be played in the U.S. So if he's healthy, he'll, he'll those games are going to sell out fast. Dog, it's that's a lot of miles, a lot of miles, and you have to oh. think too. Um, that's a lot of miles on legs that have been playing since they were like, yeah. I mean, obviously they've been playing their entire life, but you also think about like the amount of running at a professional level that both Ronaldo and Messi has started at because they started when they were still teenagers. Like Messi, I think came in at 18. Ronaldo started at about eight, 17, 18 um, when he played uh, for sporting Lisbon um, mm-hmm. before he got signed by, cause he still got signed as a teenager uh, when he went to Manchester United. Well, I was saying? about to ask if like, once he's well, like so, given the time that he has or doesn't have left, like who's the next big star in the world of soccer? Like who's the next, uh, big, or at least set up to be the next star? Well, here's here's what they're trying to do because you still, it's it's kind of like the argument with like Goku versus Gohan, right? Mm-hmm. Like. Everybody still likes Goku and Vegeta, so we still want to see Goku and Vegeta, even though Gohan, you know what I'm saying? The most like technically is who this is written for to take over. Um, Side note, nerdy fact uh, for those of y'all that don't know, Dragon Ball Z Cell Saga was supposed to be the end of Dragon Ball Z, but you know, Studio Network and uh writing creative bureaucracy led us to get in the awful Majin Buu saga. Well, it started out awful because of what they did to my man's Gohan. But anyway, uh, <laughs> digress. Um, so, so yeah, it's, it's, it's like, basically, you know, everybody like we, we still, we don't want to write off Ronaldo and Messi, but this is the first time that neither of them are playing in Europe. Right. So, and that's a big on deal the because ass end of their 30s. What well, yeah, and that's a big deal because now it's like there's a big fucking vacuum, like a big vacuum. And like that so I would say maybe you've got 
killing Mbappe, obviously. Mm-hmm. He scored a hat trick in the World Cup final versus Argentina and still lost. Still lost, right? Actually, I think it, technically, if you count the pen, yeah, uh, if you count uh, the penalty, he mm-hmm. scores four, mm-hmm. four goals, and still, still lost. So if you count the penalty from the penalty shootout, he scores four goals in a World Cup final and still lost. Right? But then you also have Erling Holland. Um, the place for Manchester City. Manchester City just won uh the previous year, I guess, if you want to call it, uh, because we're now yeah. into the middle of this um English Premier League. But Manchester City won the treble, so they won the FA Cup. They won, um, which is like a, our Lamar Hunt Cup here. Yeah. So they won the FA Cup, which is the oldest soccer tournament in all of the world. Um, they won the English Premier League, and then they yep. also won the UEFA Champions League. So yeah, that is the treble. I remember um, that from the documentary. But what's crazy, though, is that like European soccer, there's other cups. So you can win more than one. So that's where – this ability for for us, like as as the U.S. set up, we do need to have more things. There should they just be have the MLS and then the U.S. Open. So they have the U.S. Open or the Lamar uh the Lamar Hunt Open Cup. You've got the U.S. or the MLS Cup, which technically you got that. You can still win a trophy if you have the best regular season. Um record so you've got the supporter shield right you also have the uh fuck the league cup so there's there's four right so supporter shield uh yeah mls open cup and then the league cup which is that thing it's some new shit that they just started last year and Inter Miami end up winning because Messi scored a goal every single game, even in the fucking championship, I think. So he scored like seven goals straight. And my man was on a burner. Um, and then you also have the CONCACAF Champions League. So you got five, five different trophies that you can win at the professional level uh, of soccer, right, in the U.S. On top of that, you've got the exact same thing in European, maybe South American titles. Do you um so you know, I know we're talking about the like men's league and stuff, but do you ever think there's a possibility that there's gonna be a women's soccer star like anywhere near like the magnitude of a a David Beckham, a a Neymar, a uh Ronaldo or a Messi? It has the potential. Um, I think the closest person, in my opinion, um, that had that ability was Marta from Brazil. But about, at the uh, time, at the see, time, I don't know, like the she, 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 uh, no, none of the American soccer went like Rose Lavelle is gr- good. Um, I do like her a lot, but she also um, she she's originally from like the Cincinnati area. Um, but like for her, there's not like the women's league in the U S nowhere close, nowhere close. There's not enough support for the actual pro leagues that are here, even though I think a lot of them came back over and they're trying to help build the league. 
but there's just not enough people that are going to the games. Which right? is crazy because the, the women's with, soccer team does better than the men's more often. Same thing not. with at the international level, yes, but also they're not doing as well because other women's programs across the globe have gotten better, right? So, like Namely at one point tennis. in time, at one point in time, Germany, um, they invested a lot of money in their uh, academies over in Germany. So the women's uh, team, I think they won like two, one or two World Cups. Um, and then you had USA, which is a perennial power. We just had a lot of girls coming out of college that were also playing at the Olympic Development Program um, and playing at the, the ODP level um, at, at different age groups. Uh, but now it's, you know, Spain just won the World Cup um the women's world cup and they invested a ton of money into their women's pro leagues there so and and i also think barcelona i'm almost positive they won their version of the uefa champions league so like all of these european teams bro they're they're and even some like south american teams are getting a little bit better even though like naturally uh brazilian women play just with just as much flair as the men do um, they just don't have a good enough structure in support of the women's program as much well, as they do will, with the men. People will ask, they'll be like, how come they're so ahead, far advanced to us in, in soccer than um, like we are? And I'm like, y'all got to understand that that is a country where like soccer originates and that's like their that ball is life over there. Like, so like, like football is life over there. Like, Y'all don't like like anyone that, that y'all may not understand because there I think the most like common sports that most like European nations and other nations would have I'd say you got your you got your soccer you got cricket you got rugby you got tennis and then um, depending on where you are in the world um, I will throw uh, what is it what was the other thing I was thinking of oh they're catching up in basketball too. Uh, but you know, like, like here, American football is probably our nation's number one sport, but over there it's soccer. So that's See, and why that's the thing so too. Uh, so this is, this is why I like to go into this part of the combo, right? When we're talking about the difference between the American sporting setup and then like the rest of the world, um, and the easiest way to break it down is like the, the split gap, what we talked about a little mm -hmm. bit earlier, like with American sports, there's youth, right. And at the youth level, you have like the rec, um, which is just to get the kids into it. Then you have the, um, you start to get into like the select. So you get a little bit better Then you get into club, um, on, on the side of like basketball, you got AAU. So that's, also there as well, right? You've got like rec leagues and things like that just to get kids into it. And then after a certain point, now you're starting to really push. And I think a lot of people are looking at like American sports because they see how much money goes into it. And it's an ass backwards way of thinking because it's like people see the money and don't actually look at the, the best, development pathways for the players right 
and then on top of that, you have this uh, this sports mafia known as the NCAA. And, you know, when you get to the high school or you're playing at like a select level, like I didn't get recruited out of high school. I got recruited playing club soccer. Mind y'all, the NCAA uh, not only has Division One, but they've got Division Two, II, Division Three, and what that means basically is um, anyone that wants some sort of reform or restructuring with how the NCAA does business, um, good luck. People have been arguing for a reform and restructuring, or even a more amicable look at look at how long it took for things like the NIL to happen when people have been saying for decades hey pay these kids y'all are making millions if not billions off of their backs with oh the it's billions and the advertising it's billions. and the fact that for years like like what it's 20 it was 2023 when it started and the ncaa has been around for what at least 50 plus years and mm-hmm. then if you then if you guys do the math and you think about how long the ncaa has existed how many tournaments it's held in its ex- entire existence at all sports, not just March Madness, not just BCS and bowl games, like all levels. And then if you think about how many, if you do the math and factor in how many athletes have played, like, and well, I don't want to say all athletes, but athletes that have prominence that would have been able to get paid. And you think about how many athletes have come through and then you add all that up. That's a big fat fucking number. Yeah, give me one second. That's actually what I was going to look up, right? So um, in regards to, and this is investopedia.com, mm-hmm. but how much money does, well, shit, man. Uh, I think this said overall, and this is also NBA. Um, uh, this is a little bit different, but it's it's kind of bouncing around. So yeah. I want to check and see. Um, this was in fiscal year in 2022. Uh, the NCAA, I want to say this is like, this might be March Madness, bro, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it said that they took in $1.14 billion in revenue um, with, uh, roughly, uh, with roughly a billion of these earnings made from March Madness. Despite, yeah, let's go into detail. Dog. So they're estimated at about $3.1 billion. Um, damn. All right, let me make sure I read this right. Uh, the games aren't just big business with the collegiate ecosystem in 2022. Uh, 45 million Americans wagered an estimated 3.1 billion on the tournament, according to uh, American Gambling Association. So that lets you know how much fucking money is moving around. But yes, that 1.14 billion uh was revenues, right? revenues um and that was made from march madness and that's and that's just march madness we didn't even get into the numbers about what they've made in bowl games entirely <laughs> like we that's didn't even not get into yeah that. dude uh broadcasting rights continue to be a good source of income for the ncaa um with 80 what is that eight 173 million generated in 2023. Um, that's CBS Sports and Turner Broadcasting found it, uh, found their returns profitable enough to extend their contract until 2032. 2032, dog. 
And that's without athletes getting paid. That's Just yeah. Paid. And and listen, bro. Uh, so let me see if I can figure out when the NCAA started, right? Um, uh, but if you think about that, because I know it says that they didn't start doing the NIL deals until 2022, right? Imagine how broke the NCAA would be if they had to repay back all what they owed. <laughs> right? They'd right. Broke is a fucking joke. Yeah, so the NCAA, National, uh, National College Athletic Association, uh, was founded in Mar- on March 31st, 1906. And let's read it. The National Collegiate Athletic Association is a nonprofit years. is a nonprofit organization that regulates student athletics among about eleven hundred schools in the United States and one and one in Canada. It also organizes the athletic programs of colleges and helps over five hundred thousand student athletes compete annually in collegiate sports. You know how they get away with it, though, because they'll they'll argue that if you tried to claim like that they can't be called a nonprofit, uh, they um if I had to guess, which I mean anyone's listening with a business degree, feel free to correct me if I'm wrong on this. But if I had to guess, they do it one of two ways. Uh, I'm willing to bet a lot of those colleges are listed as the university's name and then like LLCs, or they'll say that the colleges are getting the money. Therefore, it's not them making the money, even though they're definitely taking a percentage of the. <laughs> uh, listen, Absolutely. y'all know money talks. There's, they're probably either making just under the minimum of what it would take for them to be considered a profitable org, or they're doing something. The money's moving something. You know what they say: follow the money and see where see where it goes. Yo, and you want to know who the founder was? Who? If this lets you know, Theodore Roosevelt. <laughs> not, not Teddy Roosevelt being the founder of sports. The Of the, the NCAA, yes. Right? And it's a fight. Yep, it sure is. A, it's classified as a 5013C. Um, oh, shit. Uh, AEC. So uh, Division One, Division Two, Division Three, And it says American East Conference. I don't even know. I've, I've never even fucking AEC? heard of that. Bro. There was an AEC? I didn't know that. Yeah, American East Conference. I Shit. Oh, these are like smaller schools, though. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, bro. Uh, it does say Division One, so maybe that's just something that's attached to it, but I, I've never even heard of this conference. Um, who the fuck is in it? Albany? Uh, yeah, New Hampshire. Uh, Binghamton, Bryant, Vermont, Maine. Oh, so these are like just random UMass Lowell. Oh, yeah, I don't, I don't know any of these fucking teams, bro. They were just making up names at that point. I don't know any of these teams, bro. Um, but anyways, the the point being here is like there's such a weird disconnect of like development because when you go from high school. To then now you got to go to the NCAA and now, you know, of course there's a bottleneck when it goes from NCAA to whatever professional uh, sport you're trying to get into. You have all like what, what they say? 500,000 athletes. Yeah. 
500,000 athletes across the U.S. So with that being said, now each year there's athletes that want to go play, probably want to go play professionally in their respected sports. And for better or for worse, most of those sports, especially if it's something that's here in the U.S., uh, maybe doesn't have a well-established uh, professional league. I mean, look at, you know, we we were having a conversation with lacrosse. Think about, like, how far lacrosse has come. Um, and, and there's been iterations of other professional leagues. Uh, there's also been indoor leagues. I know I've watched um, a few indoor lacrosse games. Uh, not knowing what the fuck was going on, but still like, you know, I can watch it for amusement. And, and then it's like, damn, dude, you have to think about how many of these programs, because to believe it or not, bro, like I went to a division three school, like I said, and I think just recently, uh, as little as like less than 10 years ago, if, if even that I'd, I'd say maybe even five or six, um, but less than 10 years, um, they, they've they only had a lacrosse team. Like, so you know what I'm saying? And yeah, that's at the like Division three it's, level. It's random, so to speak. It's like. Right. It's and one of those things where it's like there's. It, it's. Well, then comes the question of, okay, these, these play, these athletes, these student athletes need more opportunity to make it um, in their as a professional for, for their thing. And then it's like, okay, what is a, what is not, not just a way to, but what is a viable way to create opportunity for these kids for right. like to help them succeed because for, okay. So let's, let's, let's just take a, a short poll in the room who actually expected the USFL to work. Like when we first saw it on TV, who watched that and didn't immediately think it was some carbon copy ripoff of the, of NFL, the NFL and think it wasn't going to work? But well, that's the thing, bro. They're it's, like, it's, what, fourth it's, year now? It's it's gangbuster thing, right? Because it's it's not like they don't want there to be competition. You know what I'm saying? It's like they don't the, the NFL doesn't want there to be another. Um, iteration of it or a, a worse version of it you know like when most people um and and i say this a lot to people too and they're like oh man the nfl's rigged blah. and it's like well number one the nfl is registered as a sports entertainment organization right like it's similar to what the wwe is registered as whereas like I would say that the NBA is not registered in that same light. It might be, but the thing about that is, is like it's for entertainment, you know, and that's the reason why like there, there's so much money that's been in those areas that you're not going to compete with an alternative. Um, Which, you know, like anyone that says, Oh, it's, it's rigged. I mean, if y'all, we're not going to go too into depth because I'm not, Mr. Conspiracy anything, but like if y'all really want to talk about it, all sports have some degree of rigging. And if you don't think that is the case, man, I've got a bridge that goes from Australia to the US that I want to show you. Yeah, yeah. It's uh it's it's very difficult to um 
it's it's very difficult to explain. So the easiest way that I can say it is this, right? So you've got high school or the youth level up until high school, then you get into the collegiate area. So you have this weird break in you know development. Um, and then you go into professional. And the thing that's that's weird, and for most of us, we we can hear this as Americans and then be like, I don't understand what you're saying is so weird about it. All right, so on the opposite side. I'm going to show you the rest of the world setup. So let's say uh, there's a kid that, you know, starts playing soccer, for example. Um, it, it's much easier. I don't I don't know what's like the global development looks like for lacrosse. And maybe you can help me understand that. But at least from the side that I understand with soccer and moreover, like maybe even basketball, let's say we've got a kid at a, a, a certain level we identify that he's like maybe 10 or 11 and has an aptitude for soccer uh, to play so much so that we want to invite him to come play for our club. So if I'm FC Barcelona, then I want to bring this kid in to play and represent FC Barcelona at his age group. Now, what I can also do as FC Barcelona is I just so happen to have an academy system set up. So this academy system is filled with what you would hope to be the highest level of professionals, um, not only as coaches, uh, strength and conditioning coaches, developmental coaches. Um, we also uh, help support the kids at the academic level. So they're going to commit their time into being an academy player. Um, but you might have like La Masia Academy is one of the most one of the world's most famous academies, bar none, which is uh, Barcelona's old academy. Um, but you had Ricky Rubio, Paul Gasol, uh, Mark Gasol. All of them played for FC Barcelona. So you had basketball, soccer, men and women's basketball. You've got uh, handball. I'm trying to think what other uh, sports that they have. There's other things that are there. I, I just know of those sports off the top of my head that FC Barcelona has. So now you've got men and women's soccer now, and you've got a professional feeder system. So you can play like what Leo Messi did. Leo Messi was signed. Uh, I can't wait for that documentary, but, you know, somebody was in um, a part of Argentina uh, where he played for Newell's boys and, um, Messi, his family, you know, hardworking, but he also had to undergo, undergo like growth hormone therapy because he was, you know, very small for his age and size. Um, right. Very undersized, but FC Barcelona, somebody from there, a scout saw him and was like, we're going to sign a contract right now on this napkin. And we want to sign your son, by the way, we'll take, we'll take care of like all of his, hormone growth treatments and we'll pay for that too so then he goes over to fc barcelona's family you know some of his family moves to barcelona and he goes through the ranks and at the age of 16 they start to identify him as like yo this kid can't play at a professional level he's setting records he's setting like goal scoring records at like every age age that he's played at every every uh age group da -da 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 -da. so now he went from you know being on the outskirts of like uh, uh, Argentina um, and, and playing for a club that, you know, they could have done well, 
But what happened is that when they signed him to FC Barcelona, then money went back to that club that he used to play for. So it's almost like they get a, a buy-on clause or or uh, um, fuck, they get like a finder's fee, basically, right? Which, so what now a they, risk. what a risk to take on an unproven kid that you just you just um like you go this you kid's got know. like God's magic touch, like he's he's yeah, you're absolutely right, bro. There's there's a lot of kids that like. You know, and it happens very often, especially um, at the international level or, or abroad. Well, it, it happened to LeBron, too, because, um, you know, Le- LeBron, Garnett, Kobe, they're they're dudes that like they got they like like NBA talent level, like officials were like, hey. nah, you don't need to go to college. We see what you got. Come play. Come up here. Come play. And those three that we just mentioned are some of the 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 best to ever do it. Like when right. you take them just take a the chance. But there's a break too, right? Because then like what they tried to do after LeBron, you know, was the last I think at the at that point in time, LeBron was really the last person to come out of high school um mm-hmm. to go on and play directly in the NBA. Yeah. Um, you know, where the NBA, I think this was still during the David Stern era where he was like, nah, you got to play at least one. Uh, or the NCAA, yeah. I can't remember who put the policy Amir, in place. Amir Johnson is the last high school player drafted in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Um, that is the last ever. That is the last ever. Um, that was the last ever before they changed the ruling. Right. And that so, was in 05. So think about that. So up until that point, and then really you even saw like with Zion Williamson going and playing one year at Duke, like most most of those kids are trying to bypass going to college with the, the off chance that they could potentially get hurt and jeopardize, you know what I'm saying? Like jeopardize their career. So prime example, um, fuck, who is, uh, uh played for the – Miami Hurricanes uh, injured his knee really badly. Um, no, 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 no. It, during the uh, national championship game versus Ohio State. Uh, he was running back. But um, he had to take out an insurance policy on his knees. And, you know, fortunately enough, he came back because it was a really severe, really bad injury, hyperextended plus like torn ligaments in his knee. Um and then he ended up getting drafted by the Ravens. Oh, that was Willis McGahee. That's it. So he took out a $2.5 million insurance policy before the Fiesta Bowl. Right. So to think about that and be like, I got to take out an insurance policy. Now, let's say he doesn't end up making it to the NFL. He's now got to deal with a life-changing injury moving forward for the rest of his life. And you know, the argument at that point in time is like, well, you're getting to go to college for free. We all know now, especially with them passing, I think uh, California might have been the first state to do this, but um, jobs across the U.S. are no longer requiring you to have a, a college degree, right? So then it's like, well, why the fuck do I need to go to college? Some some instances, it is important for you to do that, especially if you, you know, let's say you're going in medicine or you're working as a doctor, anything like that. 
or an attorney, you know, those those are specific that it is needed for you to have some type of secondary uh, schooling or higher education. Um, but in the in the sense of, you know, you could go for a communications degree and some of these kids can learn more on fucking YouTube than they could sitting in a classroom that, you know, uh, uh, three credit hours cost you a couple thousand dollars. It, it just sucks that a lot of these kids, there's no, there's no, like the, like, um, based on what I've observed and I could be wrong, but I, cause I also don't know about every single sport, but in terms of uh pro, like from college or at least from like high school to college to pro, like in terms of like success line, soccer has the most viable one from what I have seen. Um, Close second, I would be saying uh, hockey, like the NHL, like what they've got. I've, I'd say they have a successful high school to college to well, pro. Baseball and hockey there. were baseball and hockey were two really weird outliers in like the American sporting setup, which I, I still don't really comprehend, right? Because it was like only in hockey and baseball could you get drafted and then still go play collegiately, right? Yeah, and then not lose your uh, eligibility to play. It's at the it's collegiate crazy. level, because right? like right but, now they got they got Connor Bedard, who's probably well. Right now, again, this is it's weird. I've never seen the NHL do this, so there must this kid must be something special. Uh, but Connor Bedard plays for the Chicago Blackhawks, and they are basically hailing him as the the Wayne Gretzky second coming. Well, the man, you gotta rem- you gotta remember though. Everybody was hyping Sidney Crosby up the same way. Um, I I think he's done. I think he did well early on in his career, but I just don't. I, I don't follow hockey enough to really know how impactful he was. Because that's the thing, bro. I think everybody was looking for the next Gretzky. Um, in regards to in sports, I'd say in general, because like I mean, even us, we were just talking like. Uh, who's the next Ronaldo who's the next next Messi and stuff because you know uh and I think that's rooted in everybody wanting something to root for we like stories it's like you said these leagues they're billed as entertainment because they entertain us and what entertains people better than stories it's why you'll get stuff like okay so for example CJ Shroud uh I I absolutely believe he's deserving of all of the praise that he's getting and shout out to Jermaine because Jermaine called it before anybody else that CJ Stroud would be great for the Texans. Uh, a lot of us were just late to the party, but Jermaine called it from the get go. So there's your flowers, my guy. But uh, um, it, like for example, with CJ Stroud, they, they talked about, they've talked about like how on his cleats, he wears his, he wears uh, something to remember, remember who his dad, who's in the prison system, who he and because he really wants a prison reform because his dad hasn't seen him play in his in, entirety of him playing football because his dad's been in jail for 30 years. They talked about that during one game. They talked about the they asked him last night about what he has written on his wrist tapes. And he told yeah, I saw that what too. all it was for. They talked they they've always I mean, I've seen, I've read the articles that Jermaine has written about him. You know, the the veterans speak highly of him. His coaches speak highly of him. They've done a lot with C.J. Stroud to put this, I don't want to say glossy uh, view of him, this pedestal 
But like with Deshaun Watson, it was nothing but but how how uh how nasty he was getting. That's that that was all you heard about him. You didn't hear about his career stats, all that stuff. So like end of the day, people want stories. People need heroes and villains to root for. It's why people love to root against Brady. People love to root against LeBron. But people want to cheer for Steph Curry. They want to cheer for an Mbappe. They want to cheer for a Messi. But they want to boo a Ronaldo. It's so weird, though, because it's like everybody initially will start to cheer. And, like, for LeBron, LeBron gets gets a lot of hate that I think is unnecessary. Part part of that has to do with like you know the whole thing and the decision, um, how he pretty much handled that right when he originally left Cleveland the first time, um, and it was like, well, how could you, you know, do this to your hometown team and blah, blah, blah. and it's like, fam, it's a business. Who cares? Like when they were burning LeBron jerseys and all this shit, and it's like. It didn't make any sense to me because or I see it from the Kaepernick jerseys. Because I was like, "You motherfuckers bought that shit, right?" <laughs> it's like you bought it to burn it. Why? You already spent your money. Cool. Just go ahead and burn up 120 bucks right in front of yourself, and you did same thing. Um, but like with the the LeBron thing, LeBron came in, and it was like he was the the next. They kept trying to compare him to like Michael and all they this stuff, do. and then he and they still do it. Um, and, and the comparisons get old, like, you know what I'm saying? Cause it's like, he's the first LeBron, like he's the first LeBron. I don't think there's ever going to be another LeBron. He's, he's a freak of nature. And for him to be, you know, as big as he is, uh, you know, it, with like the ability to play a one through five position. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on top of that, like his basketball IQ, uh, you know, it's like there's so many things that are there, and it's like, and he's never been in the spotlight. Like, the Le- people they they have a compilation of like times that LeBron lies or whatever, but it's just because he's become so big as a brand, he try he tries to do nothing to jeopardize his brand. Like, I cool. do have a question for you though. Yeah. Um, in regards to talking about you know LeBron coming into the league, what do you? How do you feel about when people make the arguments that athletes of the 80s and the 90s would dog walk the athletes of today? Um, I personally feel like that's that's not a true that's not a true statement you can say because the era I'd say like the rules were less confined, and that's not even why I'm saying they wouldn't dog walk them. I'm like advancements get made in 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 your society. That's just how societies grow They're The athletes have better recovery. They have better uh, advancements. They have better training styles. They have better, um, a, a better way of doing things, I would say. So I don't I, think it would be as great of a disparity as, you know, people. I go, like. I go with what Gilbert arena said, and I have to take the, uh, you know, I have to take a huge amount of consideration based on someone that played at the professional level. Um, I think it's also very important because the insight of someone like Gilbert Arenas and like he's very knowledgeable on um, basketball history. Right. Yeah. And then you have someone like Kenya Martin. Like I personally remember watching Kenya Martin play at the University of Cincinnati. And um, we love Kmart here in Denver. Dog. I, I'm so sick. Uh, I'm still sick over the fact that like. 
Kenyon Martin got hurt um, right before our tournament, or like I think it was like first or second game in, in the tournament run. Like at that time, at that point in time, bro, uh, UC was like one of the favorites to win the uh, Final Four, right? And they were projected to go to the Final Four. Soon as Kenyon Martin got hurt, bro, like we won yeah, one game, but like it was like busted, bro. Busted my entire bracket, dog, and I was sick. But my my thing with with the whole aspect of like what athletes today, I think athletes across the board now, um, if 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 you have someone like you know, if I say the average player is like a Clay Thompson, right? Yeah. Even though we know he's a Hall of Famer. But mm-hmm. like Clay Thompson isn't super duper flashy, but Clay Thompson, I think, would have a better go at playing in like the early 80s, early 90s. He would have better stats. He would be more of a star. I do agree that I think that there was like there wasn't as much disparity um as there is now. I mean, like the NBA is pretty the NBA is pretty like even across the board. We I, I think um the yeah, Western Conference teams as there is as there used to be. Even even then, like the whole aspect of like super teams, like look at the Bulls, bro. Like the 90, 96, 97 Bulls, bro. Or the That's bad a boy super Pistons. team. Bad boy Pistons. No time uh, Lakers. Fuck, dude. Uh who is uh the, the big uh, five Celtics? The Celtics with um Larry Bird, like bro, even like Miami. Their, what is it? Four of their five starters. Well, shit, yeah. all of their starters. I think on the on the um the Boston Celtics, all of their starters are Hall of Famers. Well, I mean, I was also thinking about like in terms of like soccer, like how do you think a like like it's like it's like people like I mean I haven't seen this argument made, but like you know people thinking like uh Ronaldinho. Ronaldinho, um, or like uh, Pele, um, and other soccer greats, like wouldn't be, or even like a young version of David Beckham, like wouldn't be able to hang with like today's crew. Bro, I tell you what, dude, like soccer is a little bit different. I think that like, like your your outliers, like Pele, Pele, with the ability that he had with both feet and the ability out of the air. Pele or Maradona, like soccer is much, it's not as rough, bro. Like these motherfuckers were kicking niggas. Like, and when I mean like it, it was like stuff that was like acceptable to do. Like now, if you were put in, if you put in any type of tackle during the era of Pele that you do to players now, bro, you like they would Draymond Green that player so quick. <laughs> like, you see what I'm saying? So like yeah. You know, and a lot of that comes from like when it's when it's like super shit housery as they call it in in yeah. uh, football. It like when it's shit housery and it's like, you know, you just got somebody that's like a Bill Lamb beer, maybe not you know the most technically sound, but he's just gonna drain my green somebody. I gotta close line. You always, got your, you always got your outliers, like um, either like for lacrosse, either. Casey or Will Powell or like Gary or Paul. Oh, the Gates. Powell brothers if that played were, in Syracuse. Them yeah. dudes. If the Yo, Powell them dudes. Or the Gates were playing today, 
they you wouldn't want it with them because these these motherfuckers would would be would be dog walking these folks because those guys those four that I mentioned they were just different but in right. the same vein today's generation like I said today the players of today like I mean Lyle Thompson's probably got maybe two or three more years maybe four anywhere between two to five years but I mean I'm so fortunate that I've gotten to see him play in my life like live twice because watching him play it, it's it's he is the he is the messy of of lacrosse so watching him play is nothing but a but a joy because you just get to he just does things differently and you just get to watch you're just like wow so this, i would i would say if if i give if i give context to like the the bigger faster stronger aspect mm-hmm. it's easier for players now to be able to go back then and do what they do like John Morant can get busy in any era. I also mm-hmm. think that you got players like Wilk Chamberlain who could get busy in this era too, right? <laughs> yeah. And have like, bro, they they changed the rule for Wilk Chamberlain so he couldn't dunk. <laughs> like it's guys now that can't go back and play that style of game because – you take a really big piece out of their arsenal. You yeah, know what I'm the, saying? The hoop was lower. The hoop was lower back when Will had them 100 points. So I'm like, yo, nah, if players well, today Will, were Will playing Chamberlain, with the... Yeah, Will, they were like, nah, you can't talk a big dog. You can't talk if the, if the hoop like, had been If the hoop had been the height back like now that it was back then, I think that 100-point game would have gotten broken by now. Well, I will say I will say this too. Like Will Chamberlain was a multi-sport athlete, bro. He was like he. Uh, I know collegiately he uh, lettered in uh, track. I uh, played basketball. I think he did some other shit. But like shit, we miss he was we missing fucking Bo Jackson too. He, oh, dude, Deion Sanders. Like, bro, Bo Jackson. Miss, if Bo if 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 Bo Jackson stays healthy, doesn't have that uh, crazy hip injury. I apologize for all all of Cincinnati Bo Jackson because he got injured playing against the Bengals uh, when he was with the Raiders, and he was so strong he tore his hip like the 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 he tore the bone away from the muscle in a tackle, and he was still going like he was still making progress, but the dude just turned into a cinder block around his ankle, and then he just like tried to rip out of it and he pulled his hip. So like Bo Jackson would be a, uh, a two sport hall of famer. Lawrence Taylor, two- would, Lawrence, Lawrence Taylor, Taylor would have killed somebody faces off. Shoot. I mean, you know, God rest his soul. But if Sean Taylor was able to, was Tom Taylor was still alive in this era. Uh, they would have so, done to him what they do in the Kareem Jackson, where, you know, him playing good, good football is them, finding him for hits like so that's what i'm saying bro is like i think it's gotten a bit softer because again points scores things like that or or more they want it for the entertainment aspect right it's, it's um, the money it's the money in it it's yeah. the reason it's the re- like because like i would say sports leagues started getting more cautious on rules because i think like oh five 
05 was one of those years where there was a lot of major sports injuries. Like Brady got hurt. Um, one of these basketball players got hurt for a lot of the season. It was a big cash cow. I think it was Iverson or somebody like that. But like 05 was a bad year for, for athletes. Dog, just think about it like this, right? So like there, there's the, the rest recovery, that aspect. But again, it also boils down to like the type of player that you have to have. Right. When you like why I keep going back to FC Barcelona is because they they it was a culture of sport. Right. They were like Ricky Rubio and Paul Gasol and all the like all of the sports were in like the same building. So like those those kids were like around each other all the time. So it was like you represented the club no matter what sport you played. But you also were around, you know, other other kids, excuse me, other kids your age that are going into their respective sport. But now it's like a sense of community. So the one thing I will say with the MLS, a part of their system, um, and we've maybe said this before on a previous podcast, but the part of their system is it. it like, or at least when you join the MLS, let's say I'm an expanding club, um, you have to have a multitude of things. You have to have a plan, a soccer specific stadium, um, either with the plan to build it or it has to be built by the time you become an MLS expansion team. Um, you also have to have an academy system uh, ready to go. And then there's one other thing that I'm missing uh, from an outlier standpoint. It, it like your buy-in like so the amount of money that goes into like your buy-in just for you to buy and say you are an mls franchise i think when hmm. so i think when uh fc cincinnati came into the league which was about two years ago two two or three maybe um they had to pay close to I think they had to pay around two hundred and fifty million. Um, that number has since jumped. So that two hundred and fifty million dollars went to all the other owners, right? That already had established MLS clubs. Just just to get into the league, that's not the money that's invested into a stadium. That's not the money that's invested into academy. You know what I'm saying? So. You gotta have money, money. You have to have money, money, right? And then that's this is the reason why you 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 see like a lot of um owners of American sports teams start to go over into Europe, um, and they start to purchase uh soccer clubs or what whatever, right? So the Glazers, uh, hey yo, pause. Um, but the guys that own the Tampa Bay Buccaneers also own Manchester United. Uh, the dude like that the owns own, own the Mammoth Rapids, the Mammoth Rapids, Rams, Arsenal. There's another team somewhere that Cronky owns. Um, let's see, Todd Bowley, who's an American businessman that really doesn't know jack shit about world football. He just recently uh took over Chelsea. The only reason. Roman Abramovich, who was the previous owner of Chelsea, uh, let it go was because he was linked with uh, Vladimir Putin because he was a Russian oligarch. 
Um, let's see who else. So there was uh, Mike Ashley used to own Newcastle, uh, which has since gone through some ownerships, but they're now owned by a prince or something like the Saudi prince or some shit. So he's directly backed by the Saudi government. Um, trying to think who else? Uh, Liverpool is owned by the Fenway group, um, which LeBron is a part owner of Liverpool, but they've been trying to sell the club for a while. So the, again, this just kind of gives you an idea of like how much money is there, but also on top of that, all these teams have some other avenue or alley, not only for like one dominant sport, right? Like imagine if all the team, like the Denver Broncos had a women's soccer team, they had a men's soccer team, they had a basketball team, they had a baseball team like all the dominant sports, right? Yeah. So imagine if that was present. And then on top of that, you could sign kids as early as like 11, 12, 13, and you have an academy system for them. So you still represent the Denver Broncos, but, you know, you got an AAU basketball team for age groups. Usually they, they bounce the age groups by two. So, and I think they use. Well, I remember we were talking to Keys and Jermaine about this, and they just told us that the the money and the amount of work it would take to even get things kind of close to this um, would would be just like enough where the the owners wouldn't see the point in it because you know for basketball they'd say we got AAU why do we need to incorporate xyz into this or for football they'd be like oh we got youth why do we need to incorporate xyz into this and stuff like that um real quick not to switch gears but uh just gonna recap briefly the uh uh, nll uh standings from this last week of december uh and this current week so uh philadelphia wings beat the halifax thunderbirds 16 to 15 georgia swarm pulled out an upset on the bandits nine to eight bandits are the defending National Lacrosse League champion. So, uh, Georgia Swarm with Lyle Thompson being back and playing that year off of lacrosse for Lyle Thompson did wonders because I've never seen him look happier. Um, San Diego Seals beat the Nighthawks 17 to 14. Um, that last week of December, that last game, Toronto Rocks smashed the New York Riptide, pause, uh, 14 to 8. Vegas got beat by the Calgary Roughnecks 17 to 11, which calling a team the Roughnecks is crazy. Um, but the game that was most exciting was the Mammoth versus the Vancouver Warriors. So we were at the game, me and my wife, and the the Mammoth started out losing six to zero. And I'm like, oh, this is not looking good. This is looking like how it was in Georgia Swarm. And the Mammoth just clawed back inch by inch. And uh, fourth quarter ended with the Mammoth having tied it up 11 to 11. And in overtime, they won 12 to 11 um, over the Vancouver Warriors and ended the, at the time, winless season. We were, the Mammoth were 0 and 2, but they got up to 1 and 2 um, this last week, real quick. So uh, on um, January 6th, the Albany Firewolves uh, beat the Thunderbirds 12 to 10. 
Um, and then the Georgia Swarm beat Panther City, which is in Florida, 12 to 10. And the Buffalo Bandits, unfortunately, beat um, the Mammoth 12 to 8. And then today, New York Riptide won 16 to 9. What the table looks like, which the only reason this matters is because there's no longer divisions uh, starting this season. It's now a unified table which would be great. I don't know if MLS does this or not, but it's a unified table. So all 14 teams are in one giant table in the National Lacrosse League, and only the top eight are going to the playoffs. So unbeatens are Albany Firewolves at 5-0, and Toronto Rock are 3-0, and Georgia Swarm is 4-1, and Rochester Nighthawks 3-1, and San Diego's 2-1, and Thunderbirds are 2-2, two and two. Bandits are 2-2, two and two. And then um, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. So Philadelphia at two and three. Um, if the season were to end today, it is just those eight teams. So it's Albany, Toronto, Georgia, Rochester, San Diego, Halifax, Buffalo, and Philadelphia. And everybody else is on the outside looking in. Colorado sits at a, at number 12 right now. So they got some work to do. Sorry, number 11. Mm. At one and three, they've got some work to do because they were just in the championship last season. So if they if they do end up missing the uh, postseason this year, it's going to be very disappointing, especially for all of us here in Colorado. But uh, what I will say about the unified table aspect, I like it. It's interesting. And I think it fosters more competition because now – you can't make it to the playoffs off of being better in your conference slash division. Now you've got to prove that your team is the top eight out of all 14 teams. And I like it. I I like what I'm seeing. I I like it, uh, especially with the bandits being two and two. We love seeing the bandits fail. So I'm always here for that. I'm here Damn, for the that's petty. hate. It is hate, but I'm here for the petty. That is hate. <laughs> I love to see it. Um, I'm trying to think. Um, is there, aside from like the expectation, like what what do you, what do you have with, like the expectation of this new year? Like what do you, with the announcement, the the which I thought was pretty interesting for them to do the announcement on Sports Center. Um, That's cool. Uh, what, what's like, I guess, what do you see? And I hate this fucking question so much, but <laughs> I still got to throw it out there. It's like, what do you see in regards to like the, like the next five years of like lacrosse, you know, like I started paying attention to it, especially yeah. with like the international tournament, um, yeah. that they just had this past summer. So, um, in, but in what are your thoughts? World, in an ideal world, in at least two years they add two more expansion teams. Um, I personally think they got to add one in either Texas or they got to add one either. They got to add one either in Texas, um, the South. So somewhere like Georgia or, um, or Florida or, and they like, so they got to add two teams. They got to add some teams there or what I would really like them to do, which I know that some of them listen to this podcast, so I really hope they take um, Sloan's idea into serious consideration where 
they let the playoff or postseason um, games be hosted in a city that doesn't have a team, and they mm-hmm. use that as a test market area. Like, uh, I just I know that like, so here's how here's why it's super cool when the Atlas and the other teams came to Dallas to play. They played, they played um, where the Cowboys play, and there was good turnout. So, I uh, I would be cr- it'd be crazy for them to not put a team in Dallas. Or now, or- do you expect do you expect them to be able to facilitate? So let's say if like um you know, and I th- I think I'd probably say this more so from the aspect and maybe as like a mirror question to the MLS, mm-hmm. but do you think that Within like five years, you could see uh, a lacrosse game that maybe is utilizing the majority or most of the capacity of a football stadium. Um, a professional football stadium and even a college one would be tough to fill just because of the sports rising popularity. But like, it's not fill a stadium yet. It's not fill gotcha. a stadium level yet. Um, but I do believe like if they were to go to like University of Texas or um uh T uh um what is it TCU if they were to play like at TCU or something like that, like I think they could get good attendance because they got good attendance when they played at Ohio State. And mm-hmm. then they got good attendance. Um they they sell out at I mean, I know Peter Barton's not the biggest, but they sell out Peter Barton every year. Every year, where they well, that's, that's here in Denver at DU, they've sold that, they filled that place up every year to the Crazy. point where people are sitting on the hills. And like, this hasn't happened in years. I mean, even the, even the Air Force Academy games is getting filled with people. And like, that's the Air Force Academy. Like, I mean, we were, the, we went to the, the cool thing with the Air Force Academy games is like, the games are free to the public. Um, mm-hmm. only thing you really pay for there is concessions and stuff. But like, it was a cold game when we went up there, and like, we literally sat there. Well, nobody got up and left because of the cold. So, it's a growing sport. In an ideal world, five years from now, there's at least two expansion teams, um, and there's more revenue. Uh, there's three things I would like to see: one, the players to get paid more, because like they're they're the ones putting on the show for us. They're the one putting their bodies at risk. Pay these people more. Find a way to get it done. Um, right. Number two that I would like, I want to see the sport more available to uh, the youth. I want to see it like I want to see it like in places where I never thought it would be, like fucking Knoxville, Tennessee, or something like that. Like I want to see it just grow. Um, and then the third, I want to see more um, opportunities for former players to give back. And like that can be whatever. That can be volunteering. That can be working with an organization. That can be coaching. Like I would love to see more um, coaching jobs out there, especially people that look like us. I would love to see that. Yeah. You know, they started out. They renamed. They renamed the the MVP award. It's the Jim Brown MVP award. If that don't get some more eyes on that, because every time I tell somebody that, I make sure when I'm talking about it to mention that somebody won the Jim v, Jim Brown MVP award. And they're like, 
Jim Brown, like football Jim Brown. I'm like, yes, he's one of the best to ever play. And they're like, wait, really? And I'm like, yep. <laughs> but it gets the conversation going because people don't know. Facts. Facts. A lot of people, a lot of people really don't know what's going on. Uh, I don't know why my screen's frozen, but whatever. Yeah, I know. I, just, I was just like, I was like, well, it's frozen, but he'll move eventually. Yeah, I know, right? Uh, I'm over here sitting. You can see me, but then you can't see me. Let me. Oh, no, 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 nope. no. Nope. Anyways, um, <laughs> yeah, my computer's over here doing the most right now, and it's just doing a whole bunch it's of shit right. that I, I can't control. It's all good. Uh, um, you got any last few things? Um. I would say, man, I would love to, you know, obviously to continue down the road and, and have a conversation where um, there's a lot of stuff that that happens, goes on. Um, I I do think that, um, you know, there there is a, a very close. Um, I, I think there's a, a lot of close connections that you can find between like how professional soccer is developed uh in the in the u.s and how like professional lacrosse is developing um i do think that they can follow if lacrosse follows the same model as the mls mm -hmm. and they had somewhat of a farmer or an academy system then i think that you would have like a really good chance in seeing the amount of growth and probably at a much much faster more exponential rate um than than you had seen in the mls because it took a while for you know them to figure it out like bro i remember they used to do like you had to dribble from uh fucking i think it was like 30 yards out and you know take the keeper 1v1 type shit and that yeah. was like a, that was like the heyday of the MLS, um, you know, way back when. And you were getting like all the old international players that were coming to the MLS. And it was like the semi-retirement home. Now you're getting players that are coming over in their prime. And and, uh, you know, it, it's adding a lot more ability and quality to the league. But. I'm hoping to see that that have like a same growth um, capability for lacrosse here in the United States, but I also want to see it grow um, internationally as well to where they are incorporating, you know, athletes of like, you know, cause I think that's something that you guys have, you see it at the international level, especially, you know, obviously when we, we watch the um, international tournament, but mm -hmm. You know, to be able to see uh, teams from maybe Asia or Europe or South America that start playing lacrosse, you know, it is a very expensive sport. So I do understand why, you know, maybe it, it might take a while for that to happen. But I would like to see I mean, the top 10 is actually really interesting right now. Well, the uh, top 10 in terms of like world lacrosse programs, U.S., mm -hmm. Canada. Haudenosaunee, uh, Haudenosaunee, which is the uh, uh, Native American nation, um, Australia, Japan, England, Israel, Jamaica, Italy, Puerto Rico, in that order. So those are nations where uh, lacrosse is the biggest. But if you look at it and you really get into the roster, you'll recognize that 
a lot of Israel's team, Jamaica's team, um, Japan, Haudenosaunee, Canada, and United States. A lot of the players on their rosters currently play in the PLL or the NLL. So there mm. is good representation from all over the world. Um, in Japan, they're doing the uh, Japan is doing an exhibition with the top stars of the PLL again. They did that um, uh, a year ago or so, and it really blew up. And we didn't realize how. I, I mean, watching that exhibition between the PLL and Japan and Team Japan made me realize that Japan was going to cook when the World Lacrosse Tournament came around. Right. And it's that kind of exposure that's going to help grow the game. And, you know, I, uh, so I, like I said, I feel like, I feel like, um, foot, like American football and, and, um, soccer, I feel like they have the best exposure out of all the current sports going. Um, cause I mean, I don't know a soul that watches baseball on TV. I really don't. Um, but I feel like they have the, the, those two have the, most exposure opportunities because I think in basketball the only real way I know who the heck the standout from college is going to be is if I've watched the March Madness tournament. I don't watch enough college basketball on the regular to keep up. Right. And the thing but, too with like international basketball mm-hmm. uh, I think it's FIBA. stagnant. I, I think yeah with FIBA uh, you, you have to have more Players like uh, Winyama, uh, I know. Wimbayama, Victor Wimbayama. Yeah, so you got to have more players like that that come into the league. So then it like revamps the international um, appeal, right? Like having that, being able to do that, and bringing um, bringing those those players into the league. You know, having players like Luca, and then you or know Yali. being able. Yeah, it's like you you have to be able to find those diamonds all over. But again, I think there's still a lot of competition that you have with players in the U.S. That you know our players are getting better, um, and and you know, like you said, NFL and MLS to me, I think have the biggest upsides because of the absolute appeal. Like, there's just too many people that watch football right college or uh pro and then there's so many people globally that watch world so- you know world football like soccer so it that i i think the mls can only get better the one thing i will say is that i i think the dude that's the commissioner now needs to step away because i think a lot of his Practices and thoughts and development of the league is very antiquated, even though he is trying to do his best to like keep his seat. But like they were originally trying to step out of the Lamar Hunt Cup, which is our equivalent to the FA Cup, bro. So like they didn't want to have MLS teams playing in the or participating. And it's like, bro, that's the oldest, it's one of the oldest competitions for the sport in like the history of the game. So why would they not have the top teams? Like that's honestly how we did so well in the open cup 
um, versus MLS teams, like, and, and why I say we am saying FC Cincinnati. FC Cincinnati did so well versus MLS teams. It was part of the reason as to why they became an expansion club in the MLS. So, like, for MLS teams not to participate in that, it hinders the development and the growth of the sport if you don't have MLS teams playing in those competitions. So, that's all I got to say there. We can get we can get into it even more so down the road. We can do another collab episode, but this was oh, fun, yes, bro. Indeed. Yes, indeed. Oh, yeah. You know, another fun Draylax episode. Obviously, love getting to do any of these collaborations between Draylax and Shogun Soccer sit down. Always, always an absolute joy. Um, hey, hun, tell the folks. Where they can find you at? Oh, shoot, man. You can find me on Twitter. You know, you can find me on Instagram, Facebook, uh, a.hun.theshogun. Um, you can uh, also follow uh, Instagram, a.hun.theshogun. Uh, Twitter, I think, is underscores instead of periods, but a underscore hun underscore the shogun. Um, and then... Uh, here recently, uh, if you follow, uh, it will probably post a link in my bio somewhere. But uh, there's a video um, where I was able to help raise some money for a little girl uh, to get a sports prosthetic. Shared that with you guys in the group. But um, I would love for you guys to see that story. Uh, it's featured on Channel 12 News. So I'll probably have that link somewhere on one of my socials so you can go check out uh, that news segment. Awesome, awesome. Yo, you guys can find me on uh, Twitter, uh, underscore Sir Laxalot, S-I-R-L-A-X-L-O-T. Obviously, follow the Draylax podcast on Twitter, as well as the Sucio Boys podcast on Twitter. Um, shout out to Sucio Sports, Sucio Boys, Four Corners of Commentary, A Different Angle with Kyle and Rod, the Aim High mm -hmm. podcast, the Shogun Soccer Sit Down, uh let's see the cdb podcast and yeah. let's see i don't think i'm missing anything else yeah we we are always expanding forever expanding. yeah I don't think we, yeah i i gotta drop another i feel like there's another podcast coming soon somewhere I, I keep forgetting um and we got some uh recaps of uh music events um oh yeah i think there's a, a music podcast coming soon on amp i think so soon enough. yeah Teams going up. Go up with us, y'all. We out. Bye.